Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see your faces this morning. What happens when you get a worship pastor, a youth pastor, and a children's pastor on stage together? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the end of that joke. We'll see, we'll see what we get. <laughs> so I'm Shalina, and this is my friend Ben here. I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Shalina. Hi. And then we've got Amanda. Everyone say hi, Amanda. Amanda hi. usually is taking care of our kiddos, so she doesn't even get to be here part of, part of the conversation. So this is really exciting for us. We just talked about um, how we are focused on practicing the way of Jesus together. And we have established through last week preparation for this series that we're stepping into that fullness of life happens not because we have conquered our resolutions or strengthened our willpower, but because we have chosen to be shaped by the way of Jesus. So another one of the practices we have here at SPAC is to sit under the scriptures and to invite Holy Spirit to come and to teach us to shine a light on what the text means and what the inspired scriptures have to say about who Jesus is. And the good news is that anyone can do this. The scriptures are not just for those who have studied theology, uh, literature, history, those who have memorized scripture. God is not in the business of keeping himself hidden. He's in the business of revelation, which means revealing himself to us so that we can know him better and respond to that revelation um, in our lives. So we did this last year, last January, um, for a month, and we're gonna do it again. And, and this uh, month, we're gonna be in the book of Psalms. And um, we're gonna be, as a community, unpacking these different Psalms week by week with uh, preparation ahead of time. So you would have seen through social media, back in 60 seconds, that there were ways to engage with this, that there were questions that came up um, that we were asking about this text so that we would come and we would learn from Jesus and we would hear and we would discern together what Jesus is saying to us as a community through the scriptures. And so if you were really on top of things, which is a stretch because we started in New Year's Eve, so I realize it's been a slow start to the year. That's what's been at my house. Um, that you may have responded back to us. And one of the cool things about this series that we do together is that we take the contributions from you and we bring them up here and they're part of our conversation together. And so this is not a teaching time as we usually would do. It's more of a facilitated conversation between us. We don't know exactly what we're gonna say to one another, but there will be a conversation that happens and you get to be a part of that. This year, we also have a wall of creativity. So if you go over to the, um, if you go over to where the cafe is, there's like a little hallway there. And we've set it up so that as responses come in, not everybody wants to write a whole bunch. Um, sometimes you are inspired by painting or by photography or um, art. And so we're inviting you to give us those through the blog and other ways so that we can display those and see what Jesus is saying to us as a community. Okay, that was a lot of me talking. So one of the things that Wade said um, last week, to help us to posture, to receive, to receive the scripture well, is that we would stop, 
we would breathe. Everyone take a deep breath. And we quiet our hearts and our soul. And we're going to ask Jesus to be in our reading. So Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh here in this place? As we come before you and read your scripture, we read the revelation of who you are. We want to hear from you. We make ourselves attentive to your voice. Come, Jesus. Ben, do you want to read Psalm 100 for us? Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Yeah. So as we read together as a staff this week, um, we didn't just read in one translation. We read in a couple different ones. So I'm going to read Psalm 100 from the message. On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God and God, God. He made us, we didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. So one of the ways we do this divine reading of scripture, one tool that we have is that we have many translations to draw from. And so we can have different pictures um, form in our minds based on how the words are put together. And so that's why it's great, even as you engage over the week, um, feel free to use different translations of the, of the psalm that is chosen. So the first question um, of our list of four is, what images, words stand out to you as you hear the psalm? And usually this is where the conversation really gets going, and it's like we just throw it all out there. And so Amanda, our ever-creative one, she just comes alive in this. So she, has lot, she had lots of things. Tell us all the things, Amanda. All the things. All the yes. things. <laughs> so I'm a very like creative minded, I, I think in pictures. And so when we think images and words that stand out, this is where my brain goes into creative mode. The first transla translation that we read, the very first word is shout. And I thought, what if that's it? What if that's the psalm? <laughs> so I had this moment in my brain where it was just us in the courts of heaven and just shouting, just this cacophony of noise. And so to shout in and of itself is, is a word that's kind of, it's devoid of um, emotional prescription. To shout, you can shout in rage, you can shout in fear, you can shout in all sorts of different things. And as the psalm says, you can shout in joy. So I had this image of a person standing before God just kind of screaming into, into the void. And it, you know, it's starting maybe as this shout of rage, this shout of hurt, this shout of fear, of angst, of all the things, all the turmoil. And that 
in shouting all of that out, suddenly before the Lord, you're in his presence, that shout can turn to joy, can turn to praise. And so I just thought that was really cool. And it also reminded me that in Adventure Kids, this is actually one of our practices of worship. Not all the kids like to stand up and sing and dance um, as much as I've tried to like instill jazz hands. So one of the things that we do is I get everybody on their feet and we think for a moment. We ask Jesus what's something we're thankful for. What's something good that's happened to us? What's something that we want to tell Jesus about? And we do the countdown, three, two, one, and everybody just shouts their praise. They shout to okay, Jesus. Okay, you're describing this, but I kind of think we should just do it. I'm down. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Amanda, lead us how you would lead. You guys are going to have to stand up. Yeah, you are. We're all going to stand up. So Shalina's oh. already prayed for us. So we know that the Spirit is here. And we know that we're all coming into this morning uh, with hearts in different places, minds in different places. So take a moment in that quiet, in that rest, in that coming to Jesus. And think of a word that might describe where you are. Something that you're thankful for, something that you're joyful for. Something that maybe you just need to tell Jesus. And we're going to do this. We are going to shout and, and bring praise to the Lord. So everybody ready? Let's do this. Three, two, one. Yay. Beautiful. And that Good is job. a shout to the Lord. Thank you, guys. I promise that wasn't planned, but she was describing it. I'm like, why are we describing it? We should just do it. Ben, how about you? What are some words that came, some ideas, images as we... I do want to first say that Shalina said that wasn't planned. It wasn't. But we spent like 20 minutes just no, we, practicing no, that, we the didn't. three of us, just with an empty... No, we didn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, some words that stuck out to me uh, was actually gates. So it says, uh, enter through the gates. And um, as I was thinking about this and I was sharing, uh, like when I read this, I didn't actually think of a church, um, believe it or not. And, and maybe for some of you, you're just like me and you're like, ah, I don't think of a church either. Uh, what I was thinking was more of like the way of Jesus or a way of life that Jesus invites us into. And as I shared that with others, Shalina, for example, <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, I've thought of that always as a church. And I know for some people, a church hasn't always been a, a great experience for you. Uh, maybe you've had traumas or difficult relationships, things like that. Um, and so I totally understand and, and sympathize and empathize with you if that's your your journey yeah I'll share like some yours. of that journey journey Ben what what is the part that like you you saw because when you were explaining it I was like oh that is such a beautiful picture of of what these gates and courts can mean yeah so when I saw the gates and everything so for me the way of Jesus way of life and even in the message what did it say like the password to it is thank you yeah, so when I think of that, I don't think of these as gates as ones with locks or ones that you need to have a certain combination in your head to try and enter. Um, but these are gates that are open to everybody, literally with a, hey, thank you, Jesus, because of his grace, uh, everyone is welcome into these. And when you enter into gates, um, big brain time, it implies that it's you're entering into a fenced off area. So you enter into, into a fence, into parameters. And for some of us, that can seem restricting. It can seem uh, confining and everything. I know that if you shoved me in a pasture with a fence, I probably would not be the happiest of, of campers. But when I think of this, I, I don't think that's the case in this passage because these gates that Jesus is inviting us into with a password, thank you, um, 
these aren't putting us in a restrictive little box, but rather these are placing us in the parameters of God's kingdom, um, of all the goodness of, of, of the kingdom that God wants to bring here on earth that will be fully realized. It's, it's that idea of, of the kingdom of the already not yet. I don't know if you've heard about that phrase, but it's God's already not yet kingdom, meaning that it's already here. We can already step into the way of life that Jesus wants for us, um, but not quite yet, because it's not fully realized, not until uh, Jesus comes back. So that's mm. what I thought of. Yeah, so we're all talking about joy, and Amanda's got her wonderful jumping up pictures, and we have, oh yeah, it's wonderful, we get to enter the gates. And I start crying, and I'm like, why do I have to be the one crying when we're talking about joy? Does anyone else tend more towards melancholy than joy, please? Anybody? Okay, all right. So I was I had to ask questions of myself like why am I why am I troubled by this and I'm a child of the 90s and I was a good little church girl. Yeah, thanks grandpa. <laughs> that's my real grandpa by the way when I call him grandpa that's my actual grandpa. Thanks for clarifying. Um there was trouble before last time I did that. So so for me, it kind of brought up these feelings like gates and courts, and I have to enter them. And when I enter them, I need to be joyful. And so everything comes and lands on me like ought to, should, must. And for me, whether it was explicit, I'm sure it wasn't explicit, but the, what I picked up in the culture of the time was really that the place that God resides is in church. And so we go to church and we go in our Sunday best, and we go to meet with God in the church, and then we leave. And so church is the place of shiny, happy people, and we leave our baggage at the door. And even as a kid, I really longed for the God that I now know exists, it, who is the God who laments, and the God who is brokenhearted over the things I'm brokenhearted about, and the God who suffers with me. But somehow, this is just not what I picked up. And so I think step one, or not step one, but one of the things um, here and in many of the Psalms, in many of the language of the Psalms, because if you're familiar, if you were a church kid too, you know that there's a lot of joy songs that came out of Psalm 100, right? You could sing them. They, they came to you right away. And um, so as we encounter the songs, there's going to be this language that might have some baggage for us. And so uh, there's a lot of talk about kingdom and temple and the physical place that's happening at the time of the writing of these psalms. And we'll, we'll tend to misread it over and over again if we think of, of the temple and equate that to church. The temple of the Old Testament is not church as we understand it. And the thing we now under, understand um, is that Jesus is now the temple. This is something that uh, Wade brought up that in our meeting, like that Stephen got stoned for, was talking about Jesus abolishing the temple and abolishing the way of Moses. And for the religious people, they're like, ah, no, we can't do that. Like the temple and the laws are everything. But we know that Jesus is the temple. And when the spirit of Jesus lives in us, we are now the temple. And together as the body of Christ, we are the temple. And so worship and joyful expression um, and song no longer need to. They, they, of course, can happen as we gather and they will happen and it's beautiful, but they don't have to happen within the confines of a physical space because God is with us wherever we are. So, yeah, Amanda, you also had 
was it the quartz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to talk to us about that yeah. image? Yeah. So there is imagery as we're talking about the temple and about the quartz. Um, as we read through this psalm on Tuesday, I had the image of um, a passage from Isaiah 6. So this is Isaiah enters into like the throne room of God and he sees this magnificence of the Lord. He sees the angels and he says that the train of God's robe like fills the whole room, fills the whole space. And, you know, the angels are praising and the whole room is filled with smoke. And for me, as I thought of shouting with joy, praising the Lord, we read in scripture time and time again that that is like an incense offering, and that too is like a cloud of smoke. So as we come before the Lord in a very different way than Isaiah comes, because he comes and he, you know, falls on his face, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. But we come in to this temple, to this court where God Almighty sits. We come in alongside Jesus, free of of shame and and guilt and the chains that bind us. And so we can stand before God in all of this excellence and magnificence with this cloud around us. And we can bring our joy and we can bring our praise and it can be a cloud rising in and of itself. And this is the space where in our worship, we sing ourselves into his presence and there is a mingling of both the glory of the Lord and ourselves coming to him. And so that was kind of one of the images that that stood out to me. Did we end up putting Amanda made a little creation? Is that is that in there or no, Daniel? Is there like a thing? Okay, that's, that's I'll, okay. I'm I'll share it on social media. I'll share it on social media because Amanda gets inspired and creates art um, as a way of expressing yeah. that. And so again, art art (laughs) please please be doing that as well even if it's like okay we've done psalm 100 and we're going to do another one if you're still in psalm 100 and you have things that are inspiring you please continue to go with that and let the spirit lead you in that so let's move on to what do you think the psalm means which as i was thinking about like that's a very broad question and how does it mean something so kind of narrowed it down There was one really great question that came in, and I won't go into it right now for time, but the question was, who wrote this? And I'm like, that's actually a really great question to ask of the text. Like, okay, we're taking this, you know, instruction from somebody. We ought to know who that instruction is from. And it's kind of layered. This one in particular is an unknown author. But um, just like we did in the Proverbs series, went to the Bible Project um, to find out about Proverbs, you can do that with the book of Psalms. I encourage you to do that to find out kind of how the Psalms were put together and who wrote it and for what purpose. And you'll get a, a really full picture in that. But I think what I kind of like framed out for us was, is this a command or is this an invitation? Is this a psalm telling us to do something, or is it a psalm inviting us to do something? So, what do you think? You want to go first, or you want me to go first? Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I thought of this command or invitation, I had a really hard time thinking that it would be a command um, for the fact that when you are commanded to do something, if you don't do it, uh, maybe something bad happens or you get punished. And I don't think that the author of this psalm is saying, if you don't worship God right here, right now, as soon as you read this, read this psalm, he's going to get mad. Um, personally, for me, I don't think that's the case. What I think of this is I think that the psalmist is writing to us as an invitation because he's saying, why wouldn't you? If God is so good, 
if he's great, if he's everything we say he is, if he's everything he's told us that he is, uh, what's stopping us from worshiping? Why wouldn't we orient our hearts and, and turn them towards God instead? Um, because when we think about it, like, yeah, life is tough. Um, does anyone here think like life is easy? You do, you're lying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but life is tough. So in the midst of difficulty, the psalmist is essentially saying, why wouldn't you turn your eyes, turn your heart towards the source of all goodness? It won't make the difficulty and the pain and everything go away. Um, but it allows us to shift our gaze onto something a little mm. a little better, you know? Totally. I think I started crying with fresh tears when you shared that, and didn't I? Yeah. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you're also like, well, so then, so then what's wrong with me if I don't think that being in the presence of God just makes me feel joyful now. So again, like there's this tendency and this twisting and I know different people have a different tendency and a different twisting. That's kind of my bent will is be like, oh, I'm supposed to, again, I'm supposed to do this. And, and so I should be when I'm in the presence of God, I should feel happy and I, or not happy, but you know, I should have this overwhelming sense of the goodness of God. But honestly, like it's work sometimes and there's a discipline in it. Um, and so to take it as a command feels really harsh. And I will say I have taken it as a command in my life at different points, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I, in further reflection yesterday, decided to answer secret letter number D, none of the above. Um, command, invitation, they both, they're both there if you want to look at them that way. But I also thought of um, how maybe this psalm reads as a promise that you are able to sing yourself into his presence, that you are able, no matter where you're at, to come and be with Jesus, to come in the presence of the Lord, and that there's the promise that one day you will be able to shout with joy to the Lord, that you can bring your praise, whatever that looks like, and that one day there will be a joyful noise. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I don't want to cry. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, let's move on to the third question. So where, and I think like we will understand what the psalm means as we continue to work through the questions. So where do you see Jesus and his kingdom revealed in this psalm? So where do we see Jesus? And sometimes it's not always obvious. I mean, Jesus is not named in this psalm. So when we put on our gospel eyes, when we put on our Jesus eyes and we read this psalm, um, where do we see him? Ben? Yeah, I saw him in the phrase uh, about the, the sh uh, we are the sheep of his pasture. Um, and when I thought of that, I thought of the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus shares in, uh, thank you, in Luke 15. Um, I don't have it with me. I'm not going to read it. Um, but essentially in the parable, Jesus talks about um, the shepherd owning like a hundred sheep. One of them goes missing. Um, and this shepherd was different from the typical shepherd. So to you and me, uh, I don't know personally a whole lot of shepherds. Um, so if you know anybody, like I'd want to know one just to say I know a shepherd. Um, but shepherds back then uh, had, you know, they were in charge of a flock, but essentially like sheep were like the way that they made money, the way they made finances. So logically, if you had a hundred sheep and one went running away, you wouldn't be like, well, I'm going to risk these 99 to go and, and chase the one. It's kind of in, in modern day terms, it'd be like if, you know, like ordered 100 t-shirts of your brand new merch and you're bringing it through the airport. I thought it was drip. 
Isn't drip, it drip, whatever, now? drip. Okay. Yeah, Word. yeah. You can you can call whatever. But you have a uh, hundred T-shirts of your brand new merch, and you lose one in the airport. How many of you would leave your ninety-nine freshly made T-shirts with your face plastered on them to go and look for this one? Not me. That is quite the analogy. Quite the ben. analogy. It's, it's also a good idea for SPAC Youth T-shirts. The SPAC Youth <laughs> T-shirts, yeah. Um, but essentially, the, the shepherd in this pasture is like, man, I'm going to leave everything, and I'm going to go and find this one sheep. Even though he has 100 sheep, they all look the exact same, he notices the one that's missing. Um, and that's the care and love that Jesus has for us, I think. I think there was someone who responded. Yeah, yeah. So we actually had a, a response from Sue. Uh, Fulmore. So Sue, thank you for, for bringing in this response. And I'm just going to read it out. The whole thing. thing. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. So this is from Sue. uh, And she says this, what stood out in this Psalm for me was the phrase, we are his. It is a language of belonging, but not in a controlling or owning way, but in a loving and nurturing way. It goes on to say, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I'm invited to be dependent on God, the good shepherd. I can stop trying to be in control, insisting on my self-sufficiency, and instead allow myself to be cared for. I find this difficult. This, uh, the reminders in this chapter of the character of God help me to be able to trust more, and expressions of praise teach my heart to surrender to his goodness. Um, another uh, place that I kind of saw Jesus in, in this Uh, passage in this text was the faithfulness through generations and I thought about how God had been so faithful um, to the people of Israel in different ways and usually it's like in provision it's in um, guiding you know we've got pillars of cloud and fire and smoke and manna and we've got all of these different ways in which God intervened so that his people would be taken care of and he was so faithful through so many generations and then I was thinking how Jesus, if Jesus is the fullness of God in human form, and then Jesus is um, went all the way to death and is now resurrected and lives forevermore, and we are in Jesus, it's like all of that faithfulness that was over generations now resides within us through the Spirit. Like, like we have access to the full God all the time in every moment. And I was thinking about that word endure and how that um, yeah, like God's faithfulness endures. He doesn't always do, uh, you know, provide manna for people. Sometimes I mean, miracles do happen, but I think that through Christ and through his body, like that faithfulness continues and it will forever. He's the resurrected Jesus. Um, someone uh, responded, well, they responded on behalf of their husband. So, I mean, I don't know whose, whose ideas these actually are, but her husband found the last line. His faithfulness continues through all generations to stand out. And he said that he's found himself worrying about the world that we're raising our kids up in, worrying that we might not be preparing them properly, have a hard time in the changing world. And this verse reminded him that no matter what happens in the world, God is faithful and will be with our children through it all. So that's, you know, a little promise a little promise that came um, for him through the reading of this text. Did you have anything else for this question, Amanda? 
we move on to I mean, I can just say that it's really fun for me to imagine um, in that court, standing there with Jesus, um, doing that shout thing with him and having Jesus just like scream blindly alongside you, shouting and amplifying your own shout. I think that that's a, that's a fun way to read Jesus into that, to have him just there alongside you, even in that kind of wordless praise. So our last question, what is the psalm inviting us to do or to put into practice as individuals or as a community? And we do know that the psalms are written for a community. The psalms are are written for um, God's people. And it's kind of cool how when we get individual responses, like what is God inviting me to do? What isn't God inviting me to do? And we put those together and we listen to one another. We, we discover something. We discover that, oh, maybe God is asking us to do something. And um, that's why we bring this into community and we read scripture in community. And so I think that there were a couple things that we kind of like gleaned from this passage and in combination with the responses that came in about what this psalm invites us to do as a community. So Amanda, what's what's the first one? Um, so one of the things personally for me um, that was an invitation was to recognize that um, in this psalm, it isn't just us that is is shouting and praising, but it is all the earth that even the rocks cry out. And so the invitation to me, if all of creation, if everything that is God breathed um, is, is worshiping, it's our invitation to come to him, to sing ourselves into his presence, no matter the song that we sing. And so... Um, yeah, I just I just think that that like perpetual coming to him that there might be ebb and flow and tides, but that need to continue to return. There really is like it's it's right on the surface. We can cherry pick this one. It's like the invitation is to worship. The invitation is to turn back our praise um, to Jesus and. And so, I mean, uh, Laura, as you were praying for us, you talked about that too. Like all of all of the earth is um, is worshiping, uh, and Romans eight talks about all of creation groaning and and waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And so, we're actually, as the revelation of God happens, we partner with it. We we ease the groaning of creation as we step into our calling as as children. And it's just this like beautiful. A movement of of all of God's creation worshiping Him. I think you said something, Ben, too, on Tuesday about the worship part. I think what was it? The more we know Him, the more we will naturally praise. Yeah, yeah. So actually, as I was sitting here, I got another idea yeah, that go I haven't written down. But um, so praise and worship can doesn't always happen naturally, and sometimes it puts in work, it puts in effort, and maybe you don't feel the feelings or the emotions that you want to. Um, I know for my case, that's, that's me a lot of the time. But I think with this psalm, it, it's inviting us, um, yeah, to seek out more of God. Because the more we seek out of God, I think the more we naturally praise because that's what we're built for. I think that the more we authentically and genuinely know God, the more our hearts kind of cry out. So I think, I think it's inviting us to do that, but to seek him in the ordinary I think a lot of the time, at least for me, I'd have a tendency to seek him out in some big majestic way and be like, God, like, show yourself to me so that I can praise with, you know, like a fireball raining down from the sky. I think that would be super cool. Probably not going to happen. But I think God is inviting us into seeking him out into the ordinary, um, into the little things throughout your day. That as you slow down, as you stop, and as you think, man, where do I got, see God 
in my day-to-day -day things and my day-to-day -day rhythms. Um, for me, uh, that's the sky. Uh, I love walking when it's dark out, when there's stars, because it's quiet, you feel like infinitely small and you're kind of on the edge of like an existential crisis. Um, those are the times that it seems like... <laughs> I'm with I just you. Throw I get that in it. there. Yeah, yeah. It. But those are the times that I feel like a pulling and a longing in my heart. And you can see the sky most nights. So I think that's a fairly, but inviting us to do that. Um, just as we, we were looking through our reflections from you guys as well, we had someone who responded and said that they asked the question, what does God ask from us in return of this passage? And that they immediately were overcome with the sense that God was saying, I want you. I don't want your stuff, your possessions, don't want your money, don't even want necessarily like your time in serving. You don't have to earn this. I want you. In response to this passage, God is asking, will you give me all of yourself, every piece? Will you give me you? And I think that ties into the second part. So if that first invitation to us as a community is to worship, to know God better so that we can be in his presence, so that we can do that with, with joy, with, um, with like true understanding of who God is, then I think that the second part, which of course resonates with me, is that praise can sometimes be a sacrifice. Like we we have heard that a sacrifice of praise and i was thinking about how when we choose to praise when we choose to step into joy when we don't feel it there's a cost to that there's a cost to us when we're not doing something that is naturally in us that feels unnatural and um there's an invitation here and through all the psalms and we're going to see that as we go to a psalm of disorientation next week um, that we get to feel the feeling and we get to express the expressions. We get to do the things that are human because God made us that way and it's good and it's not something that we have to run from. But I know for myself that hearing and speaking truth that is like out of um, sync with how I'm feeling, it actually does change me. And often, like every Sunday, we come and we're singing songs of worship. I'm, my confession, I don't always feel totally joyful. But what you see, what I bring is true because I'm choosing in that moment to sing truth despite what I'm feeling. And what happens is that in the act of doing that, it kind of burns up all of the surface disorientation, that all these things that are out here that are making me feel disoriented. And that kind of all falls away as I sing truth. And then what's left might be in alignment. I'm like, oh, maybe I am joyful and I've just been kind of out here and distracted. Or it makes the way for the spirit to come and reveal what the true disorientation is within me. What's the real discontent that's happening? And then I get to come to the table. I get to come um, each and every week and receive mercy for that. But there is a cost and not in a, like I said to the team earlier, in a room this size, in a room this size, um, we're not all gonna feel the same. We're all not all gonna come with the same posture to a gathering. And so the beauty of being the body of Christ is that we don't need everybody to feel the same way. <laughs> we don't need everybody to think the same way. 
and I think I've said this before um, in leading worship, is that we have the privilege as the body of Christ to sing one another songs. And so this week, we sang a lot of praise songs, a lot of God, you are good songs. And next week, we'll probably sing a lot of angst, God, I have a lot of angst. I feel disappointed. I feel unsure. And not everybody in the room is going to feel that way. But I think what makes um, the the gathering, what makes the church, what makes us unique in this world is that we choose to be together in it. We choose to be together in all of the disparity and the gaps between our stories and between our emotions. And we worship with one another and we worship for one another. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that this psalm can actually call to us and, and invite us into. Any other thoughts? No. Okay. So, um, there was there was a response um, also that came in along that line about like in the act of doing it we are taught and so Sue had said, teach my heart to surrender to His goodness. So being joyful and singing songs of praise it's actually like gospeling ourselves. It's teaching us how to surrender to the goodness and that's kind of what you were talking about too, Ben. Well, that was a fire hose of information, wasn't it? That was just a lot. (laughs) But there are a lot of thoughts in this place. There's a lot of probably images that um, came up as you heard these scriptures and um, maybe as you were reflecting through the week. And we probably didn't even come close to getting to the surface of all of the things that has been stirring. And that's why we invite you, please, 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 this coming week, Send us your responses so that we can incorporate them and we can reflect on them and we can have this conversation together because just as much as um, God has revealed things to me, he's revealed things to you, to you, to you, every single one of us, Jesus is speaking to us. And it's something that um, we can contribute and offer to the community. And that's what makes us us is the way that he's speaking to all of us. We don't need to feel overwhelmed by this. We don't need to say, oh, look, it was only, what was it, five verses? Five verses and all of these things. That's not meant to be an overwhelming thing. It's meant to be a freeing thing, that there's beauty and mystery and goodness as we um, invite the Spirit to come. Jesus is the one, as we talked about, who shepherds and cares and provides, who's faithful I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to move, um, move to the table. Everything that we now have talked about, everything that is stirring within you in your mind, um, we get to offer that again as worship. We offer that up as our sacrifice of praise. As Wade talked about last week, as he was setting up this series, we've read... We've repeated, we've read it again and again. We've responded, we've given our, oh, this, this is what, what we think um, Jesus is asking us to do. And the final piece of Lectio Divina is to find union with God through what we've learned. And so he used the metaphor of eating. It's like taking a bite, a bite of food, and we chew it and we savor it. And then finally we digest it and it becomes part of us, and we're nourished by it. And so we're going to end our time this morning by slowing down again 
and making room for union to happen. So we're going to repeat our very first practice that we did. We're going to stop again. We're going to breathe. Big breath. We're going to quiet our hearts and our souls. And we're going to wait on Jesus. So we ask him this question, Jesus, what is the one thing that you want to nourish me with? With all of this information, how do you want to meet with me this morning? What do you want to show me? So let's listen together. God, thank you that, um, thank you that you speak. You're always speaking. And that through your spirit, we have the privilege of hearing. And God, for those who feel, oh, I don't, I don't hear, I don't hear God. And that was just a big empty space and are discouraged by that. I just pray peace in Jesus name, mercy, grace. This is something that gets cultivated. This is something we practice. It doesn't mean failure. And God loves when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we hunger and thirst for more. So don't be discouraged. Just keep pressing in. And Jesus, thank you that um, when we come into your courts, when we come in through the gates, that we're not entering some confined space. We're entering um, an infinite, mysterious, wonderful reality of your goodness and your love. And so together we say we want more of that. So for each one of us, would you direct us? Would you shepherd us? Would you guide us and counsel us in the coming week to take that one thing that you revealed to us and to apply it to our lives? Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.